the new normal on mass transit. Cleaning has been a really big emphasis for us. The key changes coming on your next trip. From homeowners to homeless. It's extremely frustrating and uh, it's very taxing. How nightmare tenants are taking advantage of a COVID loophole. And soaring airfare. Nobody likes higher prices, obviously. <laughs> How passengers will pay the price to keep a struggling industry in the air. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More people are returning to work as COVID-19 restrictions ease and TransLink is ramping up bus, C-bus and SkyTrain service. But users are going to have to get used to new measures for boarding and riding transit aimed at a safer commute for all. Catherine Urquhart reports. During a demonstration for the media, a SkyTrain car is disinfected. TransLink calls them cleaning pit crews and is promising increased sanitization on SkyTrain buses and C-Bus. It's also recommending people wear masks. At this stage, our view is we are going to be promoting the use of face coverings and, and masks as a good option to protect people and make the system safer when distancing isn't possible. Do you think it's a good idea, the masks? Yes, that's good. That's a good idea for uh, COVID-19. It's a good idea. I think it might be a good idea if, like, if you're in a enclosed area. TransLink's new safe operating action plan also includes limiting access to fare gates at busy stations and installing floor decals to encourage physical distancing. Typically only one fare gate will be set to entrance only, the other fare gates will be exit only. Uh, so that will uh, limit the amount of people who will be able to tap through. As more transit users wear masks, so too are more drivers. Are all the drivers wearing them now? Uh, the most of them. Also recommended traveling outside peak hours. But as more people return to work, TransLink admits physical distancing will be a huge challenge in the days ahead. We are being upfront with customers, Penny, and saying that distancing is not always going to be possible, um, especially when you have those challenging situations, whether they be weather events, technical events, and so forth, that can have a domino effect. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. BC Parks will be the domain of locals only this summer. After urging everyone to stay close to home in order to flatten the curve, the provincial government is now restricting all reservations at provincial parks to British Columbians only. Nadia Stewart reports. For many British Columbians, it is welcome news. It's such a relief. I'm out here constantly right now. It was really challenging to stay fit and active at all. I was really struggling just being in my house all the time knowing there's a park across the street. BC Parks will soon begin accepting reservations for the summer, offering a much needed break. And to discourage travel between provinces, preference is being given to those who call British Columbia home. All the new reservations will state very clearly they're for BC residents only and if somebody uh, from out of province makes a reservation, that reservation is subject to uh, cancellation with no refund. So anyone from Alberta or other provinces who made a reservation 
prior to new COVID-19 restrictions are being urged to cancel and stay home. But if they choose to make the trip against the advice of public health officials, the province says they will not be turned away. We're not going to kick them out or cancel their reservation. Uh, they made it in good faith when, um, when the rules were different. We're asking people to be responsible to avoid unnecessary travel. Alberta Parks was flooded with requests when reservations opened last week, and folks here are expecting the same, saying they too are willing to forego a camping trip elsewhere in the name of health and safety. I understand the reasoning though, and I think this year, it, for me, it makes sense. I'm willing to make some sacrifices and not travel so much for my own safety and everyone else's. Stay home, enjoy your own backyard, pick a place to camp closest to home. The same advice being given to locals. Pick a park near you and bring your own hand sanitizer. Reservations open at 7 in the morning on May 25th. Nadia Stork, Global News. BC's COVID-19 numbers continue to trend in the right direction. Today we have 12 new cases for a total now of 2,479. There are three additional deaths, two of those in long-term care. A total of 152 people have now died in B.C. Keith Baldry has more on what B.C. is doing right, concerns about a second wave, and what Dr. Bonnie Henry says about safety in schools. Our plans to reopen in-classroom schooling for some children come June. With classes set to resume less than two weeks from now, Dr. Bonnie Henry used today's briefing to try to allay the concerns of teachers and parents about how safe our schools are. Schools will have strict protocols, enhanced for in infection and prevention. Workplace health and safety has been involved in ensuring that we have the right measures in place. Her comments came as BC's COVID-19 case numbers continue to flatten in hospitals and ICUs, while recoveries continue to overtake new cases. And the active cases, those with the virus right now, are dropping in number each day. We're going into the COVID unit, right? But we're not entirely out of the woods, not for a while yet. That's because pandemics come in waves and a second wave of the virus is expected this fall. I would really like to think that's not going to happen, but if we look historically at, at all of the pandemics that we have historical data about, that is what has happened. And sometimes we've seen a bigger wave in the second wave. Sometimes it's been smaller. Meanwhile, Health Minister Adrian Dix said elective surgeries are ramping back up. More than 12,000 patients have been contacted and more than 2,500 surgeries have been performed. But it's going to be a long process to reschedule them all. We're getting started. It's a, ch a very challenging process. But what this indicates is the commitment of our surgeons, of our nurses, of our healthcare workers to providing the same energy in addressing people waiting for surgeries as we've, uh, we've provided in our response to COVID-19. At the beginning of the pandemic, little importance was attached to the wearing of non-surgical masks. But now public health officials think it's a good idea to don a mask in many situations. And you can count on seeing more and more people wearing them in the months ahead. I do think it is going to be a part of our future for a while. Um, and how that evolves in terms of culturally for the, the long term, um, we'll wait and see. And Keith Baldry joins us now live. Keith, you've keyed in on the number of active cases. How does that break mm -hmm. down by health region these days? 
Yeah, it sort of tells the story of our pandemic on a geographical basis, Chris. So active cases are total cases minus recovered cases minus deaths, and you get the, the number of people who have the virus right now, either in hospital or they're recovering at home. And you look at it geographically, this is really about the Fraser Health region. This is how the active cases break down. The Fraser Health region, far and away the most dominant region for this with 216 active cases. Vancouver Coastal, well back at 94. And lo then look at the rest of the province, practically no cases at all. Four in the north. Uh, just two in the interior and over here on Vancouver Island just one case and that case has been in a hospital and give you an example of how the island just isn't experiencing this uh, health authorities have tested almost 2,000 people here on Vancouver Island in more than a week and not a single case has turned up so it's quite extraordinary that Fraser seems to be the dominant region Dr. Bonnie Henry says it doesn't matter she's not changing the restrictions based on regions so not necessarily good news for people over here in the island even though we don't have the virus we're still playing by the same rules as everyone else. That's true. Okay, thank you, Keith. BC's Labour Minister says WorkSafe BC will be doing more inspections than usual to make sure the province's businesses are restarting safely. But as Ted Chernecki reports, the sheer scale of the province's reopening means much of it will be done on the honour system. Phase two of six, the reopening of business. It's a plan heavily reliant on good faith. Today, the Labour Minister deflected any specific questions about just how this is going to unfold to WorkSafe BC, the agency tasked with making it all happen. Virtually every single business in BC will have a different work environment. And how is one agency supposed to police all that? WorkSafe does not have enough officers to go out and visit the tens of thousands of retail sites and restaurants and hair salons and, and whatnot. So much of this is just going to depend upon businesses doing the right thing, which, by the way, I think they will. The plan is based on the idea no business is going to stay in business long if customers or employees don't feel safe. Last year, WorkSafe conducted about 10,000 random inspections for the whole year. It's conducted 15,000 in just the first six months of this year. So the random inspections will take place. It could happen anywhere. It's a restaurant or hair salons or manufacturing or service providers. Uh, they will uh, be required to follow those instructions because, uh, as uh, Dr. Henry uh, have already said, that we don't want to be in a position to start the businesses, then having to shut them down again. Buying into the program won't be the same for everyone. Small family businesses won't have the same resources as larger companies. One does have to be cautious. You, you know, you add plexiglass in there, cleaning detergents, maybe another staff member, and, and suddenly we do have perhaps meaningful costs for businesses that are looking to and keep in mind many of them haven't had any revenue for two months. WorkSafe has about 300 prevention officers whose inspections will vary as every business is different but the general principle is maintaining distance between not just workers but customers as well. Ted Chernacki Global News. With people gradually returning to work there's growing debate about sick pay an online petition is putting pressure on the province to legislate paid sick leave for all employees. The BC Employment Standards Coalition, in collaboration with the Retail Action Network, says it's unfair that employees should be penalized, and legislation is the only guarantee to prevent people from going to work when they shouldn't. Premier John Horgan has taken the issue to Ottawa, believing the feds should develop a national sick pay program. But those behind the online petition say this is a provincial issue. People need to know that when they wake up sick in the morning that they, uh, and they need to stay home, as they've been told to stay home, 
that they won't lose money over it. And this is particularly important for people in low-wage, precarious employment um, uh, who are living very close to the line in terms of their income and cannot afford to lose day's pay. Well, the pandemic has caused big problems for restaurants across B.C., but for those along Marine Drive in White Rock, it's the third blow in as many years. First, construction kept people away. Then last year, the iconic pier was being repaired after that wicked storm. And this year, just when things started looking up, along came coronavirus. Jordan Armstrong now on the resilience of the seaside community. Oiling up the moneymaker at Uli's. The patio will be essential to business this summer. 34 years in White Rock, the last few have been rough. Just when you think things are going to get a lot better, then, you know, you get a new challenge. Two years ago, the headache was construction. Then a storm wiped out the pier. Now COVID-19. You can sit and stare at the patio and think on a day like today, we'd be smoking busy and... I wouldn't have two seconds to talk to you, but I, you know, as soon as you do that, you just you go down a rabbit hole of depression, and I try to refuse that. This is my mom's recipe. It turns out resilience is a common trait in the community's small business owners. A divorce first, uh, fire, spinal surgery, which amazing, I had to learn how to walk again. That fire destroyed Laura Cornale's coffee shop in 2016. She bounced back. But now the pandemic has forced her to scale back. We've had to limit our hours where before I was hustle and bustle from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Only able to run one shift a day right now, which is 8 to 2 p.m. The local BIA says one restaurant has gone under since COVID-19 arrived, though they expect others could follow. I don't think we're particularly unique in, in how it's impacted, uh, but... I think the, the aftermath will be, will be more unique given we are a tourist community. The mayor looks forward to welcoming those tourists back, just not yet and not all at once. We want you back here. Our businesses want you back here. You're welcome in this community. But at this point, let's just try and, and see how a slow opening goes. Next week, council will discuss reopening timelines for parking lots, the promenade and the famous pier. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Canada's hotel and motel industry has released its plan for reopening and making sure customers feel safe. The Hotel Association of Canada has come out with new enhanced safety protocols. The association says the accommodation sector was the first to be immediately hit by COVID and it will be one of the last to recover. But it's preparing for a comeback by establishing new guidelines that include higher cleaning standards throughout hotels, using better cleaning products with a greater concentration of bacteria-killing ingredients and enforcing social distancing. If and when people become comfortable with flying again, they will encounter a different airline industry. COVID-19 has forced airlines to come up with new and expensive ways to socially distance with fewer passengers. And those costs are likely to be passed on to consumers. As John Hua reports, brace yourself for sky-high airfares. Airlines are facing a rough final approach as they try to land on solid financial ground while making people feel safe again about flying. 
during the COVID-19 pandemic. I won't be getting on a flight uh, anytime soon. I just don't think it should be happening right now. We thoroughly wiped down all high-touch areas. As seen in these videos, airlines are already promoting measures like increased cleaning and air filtration. Social distancing between uh, the seats, I think, because you can't have everybody too close together. And while airlines like WestJet have blocked out seats for now, the industry says being forced to do so over the long term could cause airfares to soar. If you're taking up middle seats for a prolonged period of time and it's passed on to the consumers, you can easily see airline prices going double, maybe even triple, depending on the route. While airlines say it's the cost of making people feel comfortable in an air cabin, one air passenger rights advocate calls it a political play. They're telling the government we need this bailout because otherwise we'll have to charge this terrible, horrible amount of uh, airfares and the government does not want the airfares to be too high. Airlines also risk angering consumers with higher prices when there's still frustration over a lack of refunds when COVID-19 first cancelled flights. Canadians both uh, want to make sure they're not out of pocket, but they also uh, want to know that we do have uh, a future for our airline industry in Canada. Those we spoke to say airlines are on their own with everyone navigating these tough financial times. Nobody likes higher prices, obviously. <laughs> I think we pay enough for it already. While no one is denying that airlines have been devastated by COVID-19, potential passengers are hoping the idea of increased airfares is one that never takes off. John Hua, Global News. Canada's notorious drug smuggler is going to jail. Oh, we knew something was uh, not quite right with the sailing vessel. Sailor John Philip Sterling has been in and out of trouble for decades. How they caught him this time and his punishment in just over a minute. A dramatic turn for actor Lori Loughlin and her husband in the college admission scandal. Their change of plea later. An amazing video of a tornado hitting a Saanich neighborhood of all places. Wait till you see it launch a trampoline later. Right now, a notorious B.C. senior citizen drug smuggler has been sent to prison in the U.S. after getting caught with liquid methamphetamine. A lot of liquid methamphetamine. The 66-year-old admitted to the crime but claimed he'd been forced to do it by a drug cartel. Global's Ramina Dea was granted special access to today's teleconference hearing in the U.S. I was threatened by a Colombian drug cartel, John Philip Sterling tells the court in Portland, Oregon. A plausible story, says the American judge, but in the end, the 66-year-old B.C. man is sentenced to just over three years in a U.S. jail. The prosecutor wanted 7.5 years. From the Coast Guard point of view, we're, we're just happy to keep the drugs uh, out of U the U.S. and out of Canada. The U.S. Coast Guard raids Sterling's boat, the Mandalay, in April 2019. Sterling arrested on board after trying to commit suicide. American authorities uncovered 28 jugs of liquid meth intended for Canada. The B.C. senior strikes a plea deal, forfeiting his boat and pleading guilty in January to one count of possession with intent to distribute methamphetamine. It was actually... The, the largest in terms of volume and value that the Coast Guard has interdicted off the coast of Oregon. Uh, so it had an approximate street value of $48 million. 
The BC skipper has an infamous reputation on the high seas, dating back to the 90s. In 2011, Sterling is arrested off the coast of Florida with a boat full of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cocaine. The bust landing Sterling in a U.S. jail for seven and a half years. He was released in 2018 and returned to Canada. Having lost all those drugs, he owed a debt to the Colombian cartel as a courier, said Sterling's lawyer. Sterling told the court he was forced to go to Colombia, where he was interrogated, beaten and stabbed in the hand with a bag over his head. Sterling said a guy named Carlos threatened to kill his wife and son if he didn't take the job. While he's serving his three-year sentence, Sterling will wait to hear what becomes of his lawsuits. The senior suing the Chinese government for $30 million because of COVID-19. He's also suing American prison officials, saying his diabetes puts him at greater risk of contracting the virus. Romina Dea, Global News. Jamie Bacon will stand trial in connection to the Surrey Six killings. The B.C. Court of Appeal announced today Bacon will be tried on one count of first-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Today's decision comes after charges were stayed back in 2017. The reason for granting the appeal remains sealed due to the confidential nature of the case, but it will be released to the public at a later date. The Surrey Six murders happened in October of 2007. Six people were found dead in an apartment building on East Wally Ring Road. Bacon remains in custody. A hit and run early this morning led to the death of a pedestrian in Surrey's Bridgeview area. Police say it happened around 3.30 this morning at the intersection of 115th Avenue and 132nd Street. Emergency services were called and first responders tried to resuscitate the male victim, but he was later pronounced dead at the scene. The suspect driver did not stay and there is no sign of a vehicle. Police say it was raining at the time of the collision, adding that the driver might not even know they hit someone. At this point, we don't have any information about the vehicle or the driver that was involved in this um, incident. And we are asking uh, anyone that was in the area at the time or anybody that has information about this to come forward. Um, including the driver, because it is possible that they weren't aware that a pedestrian was involved in this. Up next, landlords lose their own home to bad renters. I never thought that somebody would actually try and take over my house. The COVID loophole that leaves them locked out. And how coronavirus could help loosen the rules banning booze at the beach. Steady over here on the Cape Horn Interchange to and from the Port Van Bridge. And good news, just recently cleared a stall westbound at mid-span. At Cromat Collision and Auto Glass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway One in Coquitlam. government's freeze on evictions during the state of emergency is meant to help struggling renters during the pandemic. But a Vancouver Island couple says it backfired and it's keeping them out of their own home. Their house is now occupied by strangers who aren't paying rent and are refusing to leave. Brad McLeod has the story. She's attached at the hip. A Courtney couple intended for this cuddly Mexican adoption to make their house 
home after their yearly winter vacation. But say when they got back from Mexico, their short-term renters stayed. They're in arrears for five months. So far, they're out $10,000 in unpaid rent alone. And instead of living at home, they now have to rent themselves. We uh, gave them a 10-day eviction notice. We had a hearing set up because he uh, argued against it um, for the 26th of March. That's when evictions were banned in B.C. except under extreme conditions. Not paying rent or utilities does not qualify to be kicked out. Hello. How are you? Their tenant didn't want to go on camera, but in a subsequent phone call... You have or have not paid your rent since January. That's the main question. That is, that's not the main question. Melissa Reddy is worried about losing her investment property in Abbotsford. They've been in there since July and they stopped paying rent as of in December. The province does have support programs, but... We can't even apply for the subsidy ourselves because um, the tenant has to do it. When you're not on good terms with the tenant, they refuse to. The Ministry of Housing acknowledges there's no one solution. And those not experiencing financial hardship should continue to pay their rent and that the moratorium on evictions is temporary. Renters will be responsible for outstanding rent due after the state of emergency is lifted. It's learning the ropes, really. But the homeowners feel tenants are getting all the protections and renters... It's a windfall for them. It's very taxing on on, the, on our minds and our, you know, our well-being. It's stressing us out, you know. I'm fighting with my husband and I'm taking it out on my kids and it's just not good right now and there's just... No end in sight. Brad McLeod, Global News. Well, with the COVID-19 pandemic resulting in restrictions at restaurants and bars, some cities are now debating the possibility of public drinking. Next week, the city of Vancouver will be debating motions that would allow it in some designated spaces. And one Penticton city councillor is proposing a similar motion for that city. Global's Shelby Tom has more on the idea and reaction. How would you like to crack a beer or sip on a glass of wine at a Penticton Beach or Park this summer? That's the proposal put forward by City Councillor Campbell Watt to support local alcohol producers amid the novel coronavirus pandemic. There are 30 wineries in the city limits of Penticton, seven breweries, or six and about to be seven. We have two distilleries, so I think that let's not discriminate, let's just be careful on how we consume it. Watt says it'll start out as a restrictive pilot project in a local beach or park from 12 to 5 p.m. on a Saturday, for example. And depending on how that goes, it could be rolled out citywide. Some park goers we spoke to are racing a glass to the idea. I do. I, I think it's a good idea. Obviously, it'll have to be monitored. I feel if that makes people happy, go for it. Provincial liquor laws forbid open liquor in public spaces, but under the BC Liquor Act, cities can make their own laws to allow it. Others we spoke to say bylaw enforcement will need to be bolstered to handle any disorderly conduct. My concern is that it'll get out of control. I'd have to give it some thought because I want to know how that would be policed. This one's been flying out the door. Local wineries and craft breweries say any initiative to boost business during these uncertain economic times is welcome news. Every little bit counts, doesn't it? And just opening up these, these rules, we have, we have a lot of old rules here about alcohol. So just to, just to open anything up is, 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 a grand, is a great thing. Even if it supports local liquor stores and the macros, um, it's, it's still a good initiative. 
Um, I think that no matter what, it's any little bit helps. Watt hopes city staff will return with recommendations at the next council meeting in two weeks' time. But until a new law is in place, drinking booze on the beach could still net you a $100 fine. Shelby Tom, Global News. Up next, BC Ingenuity building a better kind of PPE. The secret ingredient in the can mask that makes it more planet friendly. Also ahead, a possible future weapon in the Battle of the Bulge. The discovery of the thinness gene later. Traffic is in good shape over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, both north and south. But do keep in mind that overnight maintenance causes lane closures between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. At Kermac Collision and Autoglass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. What is your concerns here on this case? Actress Lori Loughlin and her fashion designer husband are going to prison for their part in the U.S. college admissions scandal. After proclaiming their innocence for months, Lachlan and Massimo Giannulli have agreed to plead guilty to paying half a million dollars in bribes to get their daughters into the University of Southern California. Lachlan will serve two months, pay a $150,000 fine, and do 100 hours of community service. Giannulli will serve five months with a larger fine and more community service. Now that masks have become an everyday part of our lives, researchers at UBC believe they've come up with a game changer. They have developed two prototype masks that can be made in BC with BC materials. And as Linda Ellsworth reports, they're also better for the environment. It's unusually quiet on the UBC campus. The pandemic has shut almost everything down, almost. In a lab at the Pulp and Paper Center, a project which is the exception. It is COVID-related, uh, COVID but it's also a time-sensitive subject. They're developing sustainable face masks, an idea inspired in part by the disturbing number of discarded masks the researchers were observing on the ground. It kind of struck us just walking around around campus around Vancouver that this is now somewhat socially acceptable, maybe, that that there's uh, this sort of um, health waste on the ground? Of course, it's not acceptable, especially when masks are not only potential biohazards, but environmental hazards, because they're made from non-biodegradable materials. This is a very typical problem, and I think it will just grow as we think about the billions of masks that will be used in the future. And so they set to work creating masks made from wood fiber. So here we have a bunch of different types of materials that we've been using to fabricate these masks. Materials that are made in the lab from locally produced pulp, then formed into a variety of prototypes. Now we're looking at uh, making sure these things work. So looking at the breathability and the filtration, uh, initial results seem to indicate this is very promising. Their goal, to eventually supply Canada with a variety of Canadian-made masks that won't only help reduce shortages, but spare the environment. As for this... Please don't. Um, Please dispose of these in a, in a safe manner. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. And there's more good news from UBC. A scientist there has identified a gene that's been found to control your thinness. Many have wondered why some people can eat as much as they want and still stay slim. Now UBC Life Sciences Institute Director Dr. Joseph Penninger 
and a team of international researchers have discovered a gene called ALK that plays a role in resisting weight gain. Prior to this discovery, the gene had been known to mutate frequently in several types of cancer. So much more still needs to be done in order to use the knowledge to help those who are obese. Up ahead, a COVID career change. How this hairstylist ended up a temporary healthcare hero. Also tonight, lions in limbo. Why some are considering their employment options as the CFL delay drags on. A very poignant tribute in Kamloops today, honoring the life and achievements of Captain Jen Casey. The Kamloops Royal Canadian Legion branch hosting the tribute at the airport this morning. The last post was played, followed by a moment of silence for 35-year-old Captain Casey. She was killed in the Canadian Forces Snowbirds crash on Sunday in Kamloops. The Snowbirds had been in B.C. for Operation Inspiration, a cross-Canada tour meant to inspire Canadians during the pandemic. The Tudor Jets pilot, Captain Richard McDougall, was injured in the accident. His family spoke out today, thanking the Kamloops community for their support. We just wanted to take the opportunity to thank the community of Kamloops for the support that they've given uh, to the Snowbirds uh, and specifically to uh, Jen uh, and, and Richard. It really warms our heart to see that everyone has come out to embrace uh, the organization during this difficult time. And uh, we wanted to thank everyone for all of their support and all of their love. What a memorial along that fence. It's really amazing to see it. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon now for a look at our weather forecast. But before we look ahead, let's talk about today, Christy. That's right, incredible footage coming out of the North Saanich area. A tornado captured on camera. So here's a look at it. So it's an unconfirmed but weak tornado. Uh, Environment Canada calling it though an EF0, which is on the lowest scale, but still with a tornado like that, you can expect gusts up to 167 kilometers an hour. Now you can see in this video a trampoline actually flying over homes and down the street. So incredible. Now it didn't last very long at all uh, but uh, the person who owns this video says that that yeah they were really scared he actually sent his kids down to the basement so again an EF0 now if you're at home and worried about this conditions have really died down so you don't have to worry anymore and this type of a scenario is very rare across the region here's a look at the stats that I have so far so for tornadoes in BC and this is looking back to 1894 we've only had 52 uh, tornadoes in BC altogether and 11 on the south coast with only six confirmed. Uh, so it is very rare. And just to give you a perspective of some of the ones that we've had, uh, we had one just two years ago near Mission, the Hayward Lake area. Uh, but we've also had some in Vancouver, Steveston, Pitt Meadows. Uh, but again, it is very rare for this to happen. And if you're worried about a tornado right now, we do not have uh, the conditions out there anymore for our tornado. So do not be worried. But incredible footage. 
And thank you always to our viewers who shed, share those with us. All right, let's look at the rainfall in Alberta going to push in. Thankfully, the Rocky Mountains will break that apart a bit. Most of the moisture falling on the eastern slopes, but we will see showers. And again, that's in the high stream flow advisory region. And we also have freezing levels dropping. So tonight, early tomorrow morning, Kootenai Pass could see 15 centimeters. Connector, 5. Allison Pass, 2. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. So rain from southern BC Peace River right down into southern BC. Showers, and we will see showers, but only through the Fraser Valley tomorrow. Most of the south coast looking at a mix of sun and cloud. And we are not expecting any major rain until Sunday at this point, but Sunday is certainly going to be wet compared to the next two. And here's your uh, central windows weather window, which is a storm off in the distance from the Boundary Bay area. Thank you to Peter for that one. Good moody, guys. Moody Incredible footage. Mm. Nice to hear the kids playing in the background there too, Christy. It's a joyful noise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yes, the whole joyful for them, maybe joyful not for Christy. For them, right. <laughs> All right, Crayola is embracing inclusivity today with the launch of a new 24 pack of crayons. The Colors of the World pack includes 24 newly formulated crayons that represent. 40 global skin tones, ensuring that every child can draw him or herself accurately. The crayons were created with the help of Victor Casale, a former chief chemist at MAC Cosmetics. Working closely with Crayola, Crayola's research and development team, it took about three months to get the transfer from realistic complexions to crayon shade conversion. Oh, I want to know what they call the different colors. There are always so many cool names. All right, uh, let's check in with Squire as we keep our hockey hopes alive. Squire? Okay, you got to turn on the mic. To <laughs> we can hear the kids. New, we he's can't new hear. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. There's two buttons. I got to use two. It's very confusing. Uh, if the NHL restarts the season with a 24 team playoff, the Canucks might be playing Minnesota. Tanev lets the puck go back to Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli, slap pass. It's in. Yes, Canucks Wild could be the matchup in what would be a play-in best-of-five series. Also, a hairstylist who became a hero for sharing her other skills during the pandemic. All right, uh, we're still keeping our hockey hopes alive, as I said, Squire, and they're trying to work out details. They are. In fact, they have some details worked out, but they won't say anything official. But it looks like the NHL would prefer coming back with a 24-team playoff, where the top four teams in each conference, percentage-wise, would get a bye, but they would still play games against each other to figure out the seating and also to get their legs underneath them. The other 16 teams would play best-of-five play-in series to get into the final 16. And if that's the way it's going to be, it looks like the Canucks would play Minnesota. And this season, the Wild beat Vancouver in two of three games, although one of the wins was in a shootout. Minnesota always, always seems to have given the Canucks trouble over the years. Well, less than half of the BC Lions roster is actually in Vancouver or the lower mainland in the offseason. A lot are in the U.S. But one of their best players from last year is in town. And like everyone else, he's waiting for a restart. Like everyone in the CFL, Lamar Durant is looking into a very uncertain future. The league is hoping to have some sort of a 2020 season. At the very best, it'll start around Labor Day, which is typically the midway point of the regular season. Needless to say, it's thrown a wrench into everybody's preparation. 
it's rough. You know, you're planning on going into the season at a certain time, and you're kind of getting ready to peak at that time. Then you got to push that back, and so it's rough on athletes, and it's rough on everyone, the fans and everyone. But uh, I mean, we're all in this together, so we're just doing whatever we can to make it work. CFL players don't make a lot of money, average salary about 80000 so missing at least half a season of paychecks is a concern. And if the whole year is wiped out, they may need to take a regular job to pay the bills. It's a career path that I chose and I didn't plan to stop doing at this time and there's a possibility for that. So I think that's really tough on all the players. But Durant is an optimist. He has to be. And he's looking to pick up where he left off in 2019. He's coming off his best season ever in the CFL, even though it was cut short three games due to a foot injury. He was on pace for his first 1,000-yard season as he embraced a starter's role for the first time in his five-year CFL career. Knowing that myself, I can take it to the next level and I can be that guy. So it was just getting back to my old ways and kind of doing what I can do. And I feel like um, I could have even done more. So that's what I'm looking forward to going into this season. It takes guys time to learn and come in and understand the nuances of the game and for receivers, how to do the motion and how to read defenses and how to get on the same page as the quarterback. And um, now that he's played in this league a few years and he's been when he'll be with the same quarterback again, I just I, I think, uh, you know, really good things can can happen for him. Well, as you'd expect, the Canada women's softball tournament is canceled for this year. It was supposed to be held July 3rd to the 12th at Softball City. Now, it's not just a loss for the sport itself because it's one of the best tournaments in the world. It's also a loss for the local economy. We're one of the bigger uh, tourism events in, uh, in the Fraser Valley. So last year we filled over 10,000 hotel room nights and lots of restaurants and car rentals and, and all that goes with that. Like everybody else in the events business, uh, we're, uh, we're kicking the can down the road. Okay, I'm going to kick the can down the road about three feet. No, six <laughs> feet. We'll I, six, I am six feet away from you. Thanks, Squire. More okay. than that. All right, thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Thanks, Sophie. The province is hosting another virtual town hall to answer questions about its COVID-19 restart plan. Tonight's focus is on changes in the workplace. We'll have all the highlights. Plus, an unwelcome surprise for West End residents when the new Safeway on Davie Street fired up its outside lights last night. They were so bright, many people complained they couldn't sleep. And this python has been captured in a Metro Vancouver park. We'll tell you more about the species and where it is now. Those stories and more when you join us at 11 o'clock. Thankfully, it's been caught. In safe hands now, I hope. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> All right, we're uh, going to come back with our salute to healthcare heroes. And, and one healthcare hero who kind of surprised herself that she's as good at it as she is. That's next. All right, we may be in phase two of this pandemic, but the work on the front lines is still going strong. So we want to thank all of our healthcare heroes for their perseverance throughout. And we want to recognize another one of your nominations. And tonight's comes from Nancy Hikawa. She says her friend and colleague Sarah Beck is her healthcare hero. Sarah has been working as a public health nurse with Vancouver Coastal Health for seven years and right now is part of a special team working with temporary foreign workers who are undergoing mandatory self-isolation. The team has been busy screening, conducting health assessments, COVID-19 testing and following up on hundreds of workers. Sarah also recently got engaged to her longtime boyfriend, Juan, who says she's been balancing a lot, completing her master's,
planning their wedding, supporting family abroad, and all the while remaining grounded and focused on helping others. Sarah, you have so many people who say you are their health care hero, and now you're ours too. And we want to thank you all, for, or thank you for all that you're doing, and wish you a happy early birthday too. So, folks, if you're watching and you have a healthcare hero you'd like to nominate, send us some information about why they're your hero and send a few pictures too to healthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. BC healthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. There we go. Well, when the pandemic hit and salons were ordered closed, hairdressers suddenly found themselves out of work. But one Vancouver stylist refused to be sidelined and decided to join the fight against COVID-19 in any way she could. Erin MacArthur reports. It's Kelly Shedowitz's last day on the job at St. Paul's Hospital. Been doing this for just over seven weeks. When her salon was forced to close in March, the hairstylist knew she was going to need some income. She also knew hospitals would need help. She applied to be a cleaner. So I, I took a, a quick inventory of my skill set and I knew, you know, I don't have a medical background. The one thing I am really good at is cleaning. Cleaning hospitals, hard work, especially now. Constantly scrubbing under layers of PPE with all of the extra precautions. The contractor at St. Paul's, Crothel, always desperate for staff. Kelly basically walked in off the street to do a job most people wouldn't. But to be here to help out, to make sure that, you know, patients, staff, everybody's safe, it's been, a, it's been great. The staff at St. Paul's quickly latched on to Kelly's hard work and friendly demeanor. On the maternity ward, everyone oh, sad to see her go. So nice. <laughs> That is so nice. Thank you. We really loved having the extra, extra help. Kelly is quick to deflect the praise, heaping kudos on her colleagues, some who've been doing the same job for decades. She says the hospital wouldn't run without the people behind the scenes. They do it with uh, humility, with grace, and uh, it's also really rewarding. That's the surprise. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize how rewarding it was going to be. Next week, she goes back to her pre-COVID job, where she has a long waiting list of clients. If there was a way that I could manage both the salon and be here, I would stay forever. A frontline healthcare hero who at least temporarily joined the fight against coronavirus. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Got a pretty cool pink glittery mask too, I gotta say. <laughs> well, I'm sure her clients are very happy to see I, her. I bet they are. All right, final word on weather from Christy. Thanks. So we are expecting sunshine for Metro Vancouver. For those of you in the Fraser Valley, though, tomorrow showers expected. So really, the lower mainland divided in half. Okay, guys, back to you. Enjoy that salute out there tonight. Happy banging, everyone. Good night, all.